Imagine being a young college athlete, having no choice but to share your locker room with a biological intact male. No matter how uncomfortable it makes you feel, embarrassed and violated by being exposed to male genitalia or not being able to hide your own, your feelings and your concerns are not only invalid, but considered bigoted. This is the reality for the swimmer we will be speaking to today. Last year, the University of Pennsylvania swimmer and biological male Leah Thomas dominated the NCAA field, shattering records, stealing titles, and also sharing various locker rooms with many young women without their consent. One brave athlete joins us today to publicly share her story for the first time. Strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. This is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Former NC State swimmer Kylie Allons is a 31-time All-American two-time NCAA national champion and a five-time ACC champion. She is considered the most decorated swimmer in NC State history. During the 2022 NCAA Women's Swimming and Diving Championship at Georgia Tech, Kylie felt absolutely violated being forced to share a locker room with Thomas against her will. However, after discovering a utility closet behind the bleachers, she continued the competition, changing there in an effort to have pri the privacy she deserved. So I want to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Kylie Allons and Young Women for America Ambassador. Welcome to the Concerned Women Today podcast, Kylie. Thank you, Penny, so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, share my story publicly for the first time. Well, and I appreciate you doing it here with me because we had this conversation. I met you and I was so blown away by your story and I kind of outlined it there, but really I want to hear it from, from your lips. I'd love for you to share with first, tell people, how did you get to be a champion? Like, what does that entail? It's not like you just show up one day and you decide to swim. What did you have to put into it in order to achieve what you've achieved? Absolutely. Yeah. So I just finished up my swimming career at NC State a couple months ago. And yeah, I've been swimming since I was probably seven years old. And since I was probably 14 or 15 years old, it's been a huge part of my life. Like everything was was planned around that, you know, vacations, only taking two weeks off every year and training. And when I was a junior in high school, that's when I remember really feeling like I had a shot of being able to swim at a division one college. And that became my dream at that point. So I worked really hard my junior and senior year of high school to be able to be recruited at NC State and, and ended up committing to NC State where I just finished up with my five years there. And just to give a little bit of background on being an athlete, a swimmer, yeah, you are putting in so many hours, at least 20 hours a week, you're putting in exercising and that is very fatiguing. So you have mm -hmm. to sleep a lot more than a regular person would in college on top of the fact that you're there for school. So mm -hmm. you are a student athlete and you were there to get your degree as well. And for me personally, I was an engineering degree, so I had a lot on my plate. I wow. had to do all the practices, do all the travel as the journalism yeah. student. I had to do all of this homework. It was a lot of homework mm -hmm. and along with balancing all of the swimming and 
I wouldn't have traded my experience with the world. I loved it. Uh, the team uh, atmosphere was great. But as you said, that I had a unique experience happen to me at the 2022 NCAAs that I never would have thought would happen to me because I was at my peak. I was at an mm -hmm. elite level of swimming. Mm -hmm. I was racing with the best swimmers in the U.S., the best swimmers in the world at the NCAAs. And okay, so yeah. so let me stop there. So just to sort of sum up, you've been swimming since you were seven, um, and then you're by the time you're a junior, you've already for many years been mm -hmm. been swimming year round. Your family's made sacrifices on even things like family vacations. Yeah, you, it, yeah. This this sport dominated everything about your life: your personal time, your family time, how you eat, how you sleep. Mm -hmm. things events that you gave up that you other kids got Absolutely, to do yeah. I mean you know just kind of messing around on the weekend like you yeah. had things you had to do um okay so take me to the point where you start to hear about this guy Leah Thomas what was that like when did that happen and what did you think yeah so I first heard about Leah Thomas uh at the beginning of the year uh we have in 22 in 2021 the, se the season yeah, the, okay. the beginning of the 2021 22 season mm -hmm. so for uh collegiate swimming our season doesn't start until about october that's when we have our first meet but we we're training for months before then sure. so all the teams have been training and the first dual meets were being held in october and that's when uh we started to notice see some of these results from other dual meets you, you you're always seeing how your competition is swimming and we saw some uh, results from uh, UPenn versus some other school dual meet. And we noticed that this, this uh, summer, Leah Thomas was throwing down crazy times in October in a, a, in a practice suit that were, you know, NCA final times. And so no one had ever even heard of her before. And, you know, after we, after I did research, I realized that was in fact, uh, William Thomas was in fact a man that would competed for UPenn for three years before uh, changing his name to Leah Thomas and competing with the and, women. And a very unnotable swimming yeah. career yeah. prior to that, right? He was like in right. the mid 400 to 500 rankings as a man, mm -hmm. if I understand correctly. Yeah. Um, and so then you realize, oh, wait, this is actually a man. Leah's, Leah is a, a guy, a biological male. Yes. And what did you think? Did you think what did, you, did you think it was going to impact you? Did you think it was going to go away? What did you think would happen? Um, you know, I think when I found that out, I was like, there's no way that this can continue for the whole season. You know, someone is going to step in and realize that this is wrong. This is completely unfair. And I really, I really, at that point, I had hope. I didn't, wasn't really concerned about it because I had hope that that wouldn't happen. But I also was curious as how, how Thomas was even allowed to summit these dual meets against women and was winning and, and having all these times and already gained an invite essentially to the NCAAs based on those times mm -hmm. that were swam. So, so then he goes to the Ivy leagues, does great, is putting great time on the board. And then we're now we're getting into the NCAA division one finals, which is at Georgia tech. Outside Georgia Tech, I will note that our wonderful, sweet Chloe Satterfield has got a whole group of women, including former college athletes, Division One athletes, like all kinds of people, including some of our, even our staff here, down outside the meet, rallying on behalf of you, rallying on behalf of the women who were going to lose spots 
lose standing, um, lose trophies because they were allowing a man to actually compete against women. So time's coming. You're you're now you're qualified. You're going to NCAA Division One at Georgia Tech. What what are you swimming? You're swim which kind? You're swimming in uh, which kind of the heats are you doing? Yeah. So my best three events were at that meet that I was swimming were the 50 free, the 100 fly, and the 100 free. And uh, Thomas was entered in, I believe, the 500 free, 200 free, and 100 free. So I knew that on the last day, uh, my that event, we would both be swimming in. Yes. So you would essentially be swimming. Your time would be matched against him, even though you weren't mm -hmm. exactly in the pool at the same time, but your times were competing against yes, each other, correct? Yes. I knew that we would both be competing for a spot. I, I wanted to score points for my team. And uh, just to even get backstory about yeah. NCAs is that it is extremely competitive. It is the D1 level. It's the highest level of collegiate swimming. And in order to score points at all, it's so hard to make even the meet and be the top 30 in each event that are even invited. But to even score, you have to be top 16 in each event. And it's uh, incredibly hard to do. It's incredibly close. You could miss out on being in a final by hundreds of a second. So, mm -hmm. um, sorry, you can go. No, no, that's right. So, and I, and which means that there is at least a swimmer, one swimmer at least that didn't make it because right. Leah Thomas exactly. took her place. And exactly. then we know about um, the young woman in Florida who should have been able to swim, but mm -hmm. she wasn't able to because Leah Thomas took her spot. She'll never be able to get that back. She's Hungarian. She stayed in the United States as a student in order to be able to compete. And he took that away from her and she'll never get it back because of that. Um, yeah. So uh, come the day of the NCAA championship, again, our women are outside rallying, doing press releases. Concerned Women for America has filed on that day a civil rights complaint with the Department of Education against the University of Pennsylvania because of this. We actually filed it on the day so that we could make sure that we were uh, talking about the issue at the right time. So you get there, and so what you, What was the locker room situation? Yeah, so the locker room situation was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I mean, just even coming to the meet, I couldn't believe that I was about to have to not only compete against a biological ma man, but also have to share the locker room and be uh, forced to change and dress in front of a man. And in swimming, we Yeah, tell to, them about yeah, that. Because the you're saying, yeah. like, yeah, you put a bathing suit on and it takes two seconds. What's the big deal? It's not like that when you're competitive in swimming. Yes. Tell, explain swimming to people what that is. Swimming is very unique from other sports in that what you're wearing uh, for your races is very important to how you swim. Uh, the suits that you are wearing are, they, they repel the water. So they are skin tight. They cover you from your knee to your neck. And they take at least 10 minutes to, to go on, sometimes even longer than half an hour it takes for some people to put theirs on, depending on what brand they use. And you're doing this several times a day. So you're going into the locker room to change into your practice suit. You go warm up in your practice suit, which is just a normal woman's uh, suit. And then you go back in and you have to put on your tech suit right before your race. And you only use it just for your race because they're such expensive materials that you don't want to use it for any longer. So you're using this locker room multiple times a day. And... Anytime I went into the locker room, I just felt extremely uncomfortable knowing that Thomas, a man, was at this meet and was uh, using the lockers and as well to to change. And yeah, so, so it was, you're in there that was and you're thinking, I've got to change. But but meanwhile, this is the most important mm -hmm. meet of your entire career. Like you have, 
worked so hard. Like, talk about that, about, you know, your feelings going into this moment. It had to be a big moment. I mean, you worked your whole life for this. Yeah. It almost makes me choked up just to even, like, think about it, like how important this was to you. Yeah, the NCAAs every year was always a huge, I mean, that's what you train for the entire year. That's the only meet that you're training for. You have tapered and rested so that you peak at the NCAA meet. And you know, as I said before, you know that you're going to be racing the best swimmers in the world. And just being able to race them is a, a great honor. And preparing how, how for your races. The, yeah. Your headspace. How yeah. important is In that? order to prepare for those races, yeah, you do have to be firing in all cylinders, including mentally. And you're already under, you know, your own, like, the way that you want to perform expectations from others, expectations from yourself. And you already want to be in the zone, just thinking about your race. You don't want to be thinking about uh, uh, how uncomfortable or worried you are that you're going to have to go into the locker room and get completely naked in front of a man. So, so that, so this is where you are. You're trying mm -hmm. to like balance. I've got to be in my head. I've got to be mentally prepared. This is, I waited, you know, and worked so hard my entire life for this moment. It's my senior year. It's the last chance I have. And yet you also are very concerned and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but about a, a biological man and his nakedness and your nakedness. I mean, what did that feel like? Well, it, it felt violating, honestly, to be in the locker room. I you, mostly, even if I went in there and, you know, I looked around and Thomas wasn't in there, I felt like I needed to change completely under my parka, under my towel, just to feel like I had some sort of privacy changing with uh, my back to the room. Yeah. So then what did you do? Yeah. You got tired of it at some point. I got point tired of you, it. And, yeah. And so what was the next I, move? I wanted to feel, yeah, I wanted to feel safe and I wanted my private space to change. And what I did is I ended up changing in a storage closet that was right behind my team's bleachers. And it was a, a little, little room right behind our bleachers and it was dark in there, but I just ended up changing there for the rest of the meet because it alleviated all that stress that I was having when I was going into the locker room. And were you alone? I mean, did other swimmers follow suit? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't the only one that used yeah. the locker. So other, other, sorry, some of, some that of your other teammates then was like, they're like, oh, good idea. You led them on a, an alternative situation. I, I, you know, I, what I find so reprehensible about this story, and there's so many angles to this that are just so wrong. Um, and by the way, I just saw some polling data that we are not alone. <laughs> women are furious about this, including in, women who vote independent, African-American and other minorities. Like everybody gets it that this mm -hmm. is a huge problem. Everybody, I guess, except the NCAA, who's making bank and they don't really seem to care so much. So, um so you go and you you do your you do your swim, you do your different heats, and then what where did you what happened? Where did where did you end up? Yeah, so I swam the prelims and I was so thankful that I was able to make finals. I was really concerned about being on that bubble because it was my worst event that I was swimming at NCA. So I knew that I could be 16th and that Thomas could beat me and I would be not be able to even swim the final. But luckily I was in the B final and uh, Thomas was in the A final. Uh, so I knew that I was still having a point or if, I don't know if it's one point or two points. I knew that I was still having a couple points uh, stolen away from me, but I was just thankful to be in that right. final in that situation. So how many are in A and how many are in B, 16 and 16? 
Uh, it's sixteen total, so a, a and a. a. So like, so somebody the pool. would have gone to a mm -hmm. if he had not been right. in the race. Yeah, it he, might be you. It might be he booted else. someone else, and that was in my heat. Whoever was ninth in the prelims in my heat, she was not able to swim in the A final because Thomas took her him. place. Um, I think that this may be. I mean, certainly the life issue is an essential issue, but next to that. I think the unique dignity of women, as we stand in this moment, de frankly, demanding our rights, as we stand here and celebrate the fifth, over 50th uh, anniversary of Title IX, women are having to fight again. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, Title IX 50 years ago was about the idea that there could not be discrimination against women in education, and that included sports. And that it also included uh, sexual harassment. You know, I, I wonder, and I, I'll leave this to the smarter lawyers, the smart lawyers in, in the room and listening, of whether or not it isn't time for us to go forward with a sexual harassment, sexual discrimination lawsuit against the University of Pennsylvania and the NCAA. There are billions of dollars that are coming in the door based on your performance, based on your sports. A few years ago, I think Michael Jordan and others were sort of the, the reasoning behind this. Schools were um, benefiting and profiting from the images of their athletes. And the Supreme Court said, no, if you're going to do that, if you're going to make money off them, you have to pay them. It also then stand to reason for me that perhaps Title VII comes into play and that if a school is profiting, and certainly NCAA is profiting off of the athletes, then perhaps there needs to be an opportunity for athletes to then file suit because of a sexual, sexually hostile environment. In work, we don't allow this. In schools, there is an opportunity for sexual harassment, sexual discrimination, but you only have six months mm. to actually file the suit. So we're looking at this, and on your behalf, we are going to be filing again a sexual discrimination suit, a civil rights um, complaint against uh, at, against University of Pennsylvania uh, with the Department of Education on your behalf, because what happened to you should never happen again to anyone. I mean, what do you have to say to the other women coming up behind you? Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And I'm so thankful that there's organizations like Concerned Women for America that are willing to do the dirty work that it takes to stand up against this, even if it seems like common sense. And what I would say to women in this position is that your voice, your story, your feelings, they do matter. Even if it seems like the NCA or other organizations are trying to silence you. And I would say just try not to be afraid to stand up for that and against that. And that sounds a little bit cliche, but also I think I have a message for mm -hmm. people who are in influence over athletes, such as coaches, sports administrations, like your role, their roles are so important. Mm -hmm. Like simply them giving an opportunity for their women athletes voices to be heard. And also them uh, when their athletes do stand up for themselves, encouraging them and supporting them. I think that, it's going to take a lot of team effort to uh, overturn and reverse a lot of these policies and female athletes need the support of the people closest to them. Well, there's records now in the books that don't belong there. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's history of those being taken down. If there's somehow unfairly by cheating or whatever means doping, whatever it is. So that's to be considered. Um, Did you, so you're a graduate now of NC state. Congratulations. Um, Your degree was in engineering. Is that right? Yeah, I was a bachelor's in industrial engineering, and then I just kind of fast-tracked my master's uh, the past year in engineering management. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you're incredible. You're so smart and so brave. Thank you. Um, did you feel supported by the coaches? And maybe you don't want to be personal about your own coach. I know that I know that relationship's important, and you're, you love your school and all that, but were you free? I guess that's the question. Were you free to speak out on this while you were a student before you graduated? You know, I never really, I think I more had the fear of just, I I had the understanding that in order to like have an NCAs where Thomas wasn't there and that women wouldn't have to undress in front of a man that, that individually I felt powerless and in in my swimming circle, I felt comforted by the fact that that I had people in my corner. I had all my teammates in my corner. I felt like I was understood by my coaches and other people. But again, like then no one anything. no one gave gave power to the athletes, and that's what we needed. And I think that the only thing that could have stopped this really was a boycott. Mm-hmm. And even when I get like, that's what could have stopped this, and that would have caused or need that would have made us have to put our mm-hmm. opportunity to compete on the line, which would have was such a hard place to be in because you literally are training the entire year to go to this one meet. And just the thought of, of standing up and then the NCA saying, okay, well then don't swim yeah, too bad. It just was like, I, well, women I couldn't tried. do it. I couldn't, you do know, it. women tried. And you, we know that women that were on Thomas's team, complained about the locker room situation and what happened they were sent to counseling so they could get over their bigotry now let me just tell you i'm so much older than you but a generation before me there was this real effort to train women to trust their instincts if they don't feel safe to not feel like they have to be polite because that leads to victimization often. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that often, and I'm not saying that that Leah Thomas was anyway gonna molest someone in the locker room, but the very idea that we're saying to you, don't trust your feelings, that's yeah. not valid. Yeah. Shut up, you're a bigot, be quiet, puts you in danger in the future mm-hmm. and puts you in danger in other situations. We're yeah. hearing these stories in locker Where do you rooms draw the and line? gyms. Yeah. Exactly. But it's unfair in the swimming, but the whole idea that a generation ahead of me worked so hard to teach me to understand a feeling of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and it worked. It made a difference and kept me from being sexually assaulted. And I've written about this in my book, but if, but if I felt like I might hurt someone's feelings, if I acted weird or, you know, in some way reacted to something that fell off, that would have made me more vulnerable. I was saved because I paused at the beginning of, I'm a runner paused at the beginning of the running path that went down into secluded wooded area. There was a man behind me and I felt weird mm-hmm. and I just paused and he was already committed. He grabbed me, dragged me down behind um, the, the highway. But oh because I paused, a woman saw what happened and stopped her car wow laid on the horn and he ran, scared him away. What if I'm not paused? What if I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I don't want this man who, you know, is different than me 
somehow to feel like I'm making a judgment, what would have happened? I would have been hurt way worse yeah, than I already was. Wow. So, um, so I credit those women that went before me. And these were the feminists, by the way, who said to you, you're powerful, trust your instinct, do what is right. And I just am so incensed by the idea that we're saying, don't trust that instinct. You're a bigot. What your conscience, what your brain what your, you know, biologically your body is telling you, that's real. And you need to be able to to react to that. So um, I feel very strong about that. And, uh, and uh, the way that that the NCAA and some coaches have behaved and not protected women. And, um, you know, and now we're telling not just athletes in a big time event, but young girls in the locker room in a, you know, any, in any kind of gym across America, mm -hmm. you don't have a right to complain. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. On so many levels. What else do you want people to know as we wrap up here? You know, this is, this is the first time you've spoken out about it. This is the first time you've shared an experience that actually left an imprint. And I, I think as time goes on, we'll even have a bigger imprint on your life. What else do you want people to know about this or anything you'd like to say for the record to the NCAA, to the coaches, to moms and dads that are listening out there uh, wondering what to do at this moment? Yeah, I mean, I think that just for me, even looking at the reality of the situation, what happened to me and not looking at it from any lens through the any other lens and any other perspective, like it was a violating experience for me. I felt like my sense of privacy was violated. My sense of safety was violated. Anyone would feel violated if they were forced to undress in front of the opposite sex. And that is just the reality of the situation. And, you know, I'm speaking out now because it's been over a year since the NCA or the NCA meet happened and they still have not apologized for the fact that it was, like you said, a hostile environment there and they haven't reversed their policies. And, I think it's important that we're not scared to speak the reality, speak the truth. And that's why I'm standing up now in hopes that I can encourage others to do the same and hopefully some changes will happen. Well, we're there with you. We're linking arms with you and other athletes. This must stop, this must end. We must stand strong. And I believe there's just, you know, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of women who agree and are are starting to find their voice. And I truly believe this is what makes a difference. And we're glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Kylie. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, bringing you biblical perspectives to today's most pressing issues. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. We pray this episode has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit ConcernWomen.org.